What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, the full ride edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. My name is Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am twice a week during the college football season. Matt Green down there in Tequila, Georgia. Matt. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, sir. I'm uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Busy as always. Uh, uh, I spent uh, a lot of time reading and uh, watching a lot of pro wrestling and watching Boy Meets World and doing my Boy Meets World writing and uh, yeah, staying busy as I usually am. What about you? What was your morning like, Matt? Boy Meets World, uh, really taking taking me down memory lane there. The old Disney Channel uh, days, but um, today I've uh, just had a, a standard uh, a standard work week, you know. Just started working at nine, and um, here we are. All right, and then you were going at Pat Forty on Twitter. I thought about texting you about this. Uh, oh, actually, I did. I, I did comment on that. I did it start scrolling. another conversation? I don't think I've been on Twitter since then. I don't know, but uh, not a fan because my friend of the pod, Dan Wolken, gets a lot of crap from a lot of people, and I don't know. Yes. People just get really angsty. There's like a certain subset. It's like the outkick, the coverage fan base that uh, always goes at Pat and Dan, and I don't know. I I don't like it. Don't join in, Matt. Don't. I, I, I meant will, to text uh, you about that. I didn't like it. Leave Pat alone. I, <laughs> I just, I don't understand, um, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not as, as radical as, as maybe the, the whole outkick uh, following, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't understand. I feel like it's your, it's your job. You're getting paid if co- on college football, right? If, if, there, if there's no college football, then no one, no one's around, to, no one's reading Pat Forty's columns, you know what I mean? So, I, I just, I guess I don't understand the people who, who seem to be rooting against college football, you know what I mean? No, they're not rooting against college football. No one is rooting against college football. No one's rooting against sports being around. We know that means more layoffs. We know that means um, just harder times for everybody. Um, It's just doing it safely. Like, it's just everyone's nervous. And Dan and Pat and other sports writers and myself included are just nervous that one of these kids, we understand that, like, the comments always are like, what's the death rate for uh, athletes who are in this kind of tip-top shape at this age group and blah 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 it just it's going to take one for them to get put on a ventilator get in bad shape and then we have to recalibrate everything and it's just i don't know it's a complicated thing and it's it's okay to be worried does it mean that we want um sports to not be around no but like saban it's going to be in our notes saban has it saban's older saban could die from it very like he could absolutely die from it and uh 
I don't know. I just think we we like to block it out and like the the there's a difference between doom and gloom and rooting for failure and also just being like, hey, uh, this is this is, we're, we're 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 treading on waters we've never treaded on before, and it seems like a, certain schools are less certain about how to do this than others. Like it just it seems like there isn't really a great plan in that. I don't know. I I think uh, people are just nervous. I think that's the biggest no, thing. That's, They're nervous that's about the fair. And I, if I'm being honest, I didn't read the column by Pat Forty. I just I classic outkick the coverage reader. <laughs> I'm just I'll be honest. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't read the whole column, but it's like his tweet is America wanted football in a pandemic. Here it is. Nick saved in isolation. The Patriots postponed and more problems on the way. It's like that just gave such a smug vibe to me, if I'm being honest. Like it really does. Like, you know, we're not going to spend the whole show talking about uh, Pat Forty and, you know, people claiming that some people are uh, against college football and all that. But it did it did seem like there was some journalists out there that like got some satisfaction out of football being canceled. It It really did seem like that during this whole whole covid period but we won't get too big into that no no because i'm i might just hang up on you (laughs) (laughs) um well anyway thank you folks for listening today's episode of the full ride on the chase thomas podcast uh don't forget you can uh, get involved with the show by following us both on twitter at chase underscore thomas and matt at matt underscore w underscore green um go check out chase podcast.com listen on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast we are there um matt what uh what are your weekend watching plans i will be at the tennessee kentucky game on saturday what are what are your plans oh you're gonna be there nice mm. i um i want to see some no offense i'm excited to see kentucky attempt to to score an offensive point this week Hey, I mean, uh, that that Kentucky defense looked pretty good last week. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. You should be in for, uh, for a good one. But but me on this Saturday, I feel like I got a pretty wide open slate, you know. So, I uh, we'll, we'll have to see what the plans are. I obviously know where I'm going to be at 8 o'clock. That's the, uh, the big one this week. But, um, yeah, I'll just be uh, – assuming we still have games this weekend, it seems like every uh, every day we get more and more games postponed. But um, assuming assuming Georgia-Alabama happens, you know, then I'm going to lose – I'm going to lose my mind if Georgia-Alabama doesn't happen. Like I can deal with the other games being postponed, but uh, this one – we've had this one circled for so long. Well, we're going to get into an element of Alabama-Georgia that I'm already fuming internally about. Like I'm already – losing my mind thinking about the conversations i'm gonna have with uh friends of mine regarding georgia alabama you included um but we'll get there uh oh fun before we get into our news this week because we have a little bit of news um that i want to touch on but um where are we at picks wise to remind the listeners as we go into a pivotal bounce back week for me just a brutal week for me last week and uh i have to step up big i know that but uh where are we at well, um, full disclosure for our listeners out there, somehow I have uh, I have miscounted our records. So I just I was looking at the overall uh, oh, no. before the show Ominous started for early November. And my our overall record is one game less than the uh, against the spread record. So I'm gonna have to go back and see like where I missed the game. But um, 
So last night, actually, uh, I don't know if you caught any of that Coastal Carolina. I watched it this morning, yes. Yeah, it was a great game. So you actually, your, your bad week overall did not get any better because you had UL, uh, I should just say University of Louisiana winning the game. So you went 1-10 on the week, but you did have Coastal Carolina covering the spread. So you did go 4-7. and seven. You got one one last win in there. Um, I went 6-5 and five against the spread and 6-5 and five overall. So I wanted to I wanted to preface the the records by saying that I have messed up here so we're one game off on the overall record but right now against the spread we are both tied 27 and 24 both of us and you are 26 and 26 uh overall and I'm 33 and 19 overall but obviously like I said uh one more game we'll, we'll have to uh, figure out the the math on that one mm. Mm. okay well, um, I'm letting I'm letting you down, sir. I'm I, I'm I'm sorry. Hope I hope I don't lose my job. Just be better on Sunday than you were today. Is all I ask. <laughs> all you can really ask for a person is to be better tomorrow than they were today. If you're improving as a person and improving as a stat keeper, then I'm happy. Am I disappointed today? Yeah. Am I mad? No. I'm just a disappointed <laughs> dad today. Um, there's a piece on the Athletic. It's a snippet of Ed Ordron's new book. Um, coming out about uh, his time at LSU to this point. And uh, I think it's called Flip the Script. And Bruce Feldman uh, is a part of this piece. But anyway, there's two athletic pieces we're going to touch on in the news. And I don't know if you had a chance to read it. It's in our show notes. But I came across, like, he's very open about how much he didn't like Matt Canada. And that is always something that I thought was very odd, that one-year split where they... Matt Canada's just had a good offense everywhere he's gone, and I'm a Matt Canada guy. I don't really understand why he's bounced around as much as he has and, like, why that LSU partnership did not work. But them just being like, yeah, Ed, you're losing control. And him and Matt Canada, he talks about in this piece that they never talked that season. They didn't speak. Like, he he and the offense were not, were not talking. And it's crazy to think that there are Power 5 jobs in positions like that where coaching staffs where the coordinators don't even talk and just let one like let them do their thing and then uh we'll move on i i just couldn't believe that he admitted that they just didn't speak yeah that's very strange i um can we can we bring it back though like why is ed orgeron have a book coming out like yeah, like he's he's basically been a, a mediocre to terrible coach ever until he got to LSU, and he's been at LSU. What is this? His fifth year? Yeah, fourth fourth full season at LSU. Like, we'll see if he makes it a full season. How this uh how the season started? But no, he just won a national title. He he's safe no, for, for a sure. long time. Hey, Gene Chizik didn't last very long after that national title. That is title. true. Honestly, but, um, you're not wrong. That is that is true. And Gene Chizik. Losing Gus Malzahn and replacing him with Scott Loeffler. And guess what? Ed Ordron lost Joe Brady and replaced him with Scott Linehan. I mean, and lost Dan, um, Dave Aranda, replaced him with Bo Pelini. Yeah, I mean, having a generational steps. quarterback like Cam yeah. Newton and Joe Burrow, there's a lot of similarities there. I will, Ooh, I will say... I like this. This is spicy. <laughs> I will say LSU... The the non championship years for Ed Orgeron are significantly better than the non championship years were for Gene Chizik. Like I think he he may have been below five hundred on the years where he didn't have Cam Newton as his starting quarterback. So he didn't last long there. I'll give Ed Orgeron a little bit more credit because I mean 
he built an entire roster, built the coaching staff. Like, while I think he kind of got lucky, kind of caught lightning in a bottle, he does deserves deserve credit for getting everyone and building that team the way he did. It's like Auburn was like a mediocre team that you just added Cam Newton to. Like, obviously, they had Nick Fairley too, but it was essentially like a mediocre team. They were like. 50th in the country and scoring defense or something they were just mediocre across the board but cam newton's like the greatest player ever and he took them all the way to national championship so there's some similarities there i'm not ready to call ed ordron gene chizik yet but um it just seems so premature like you gotta you gotta write a book when your legacy's over like that's i don't know that's that's interesting to me but yeah the i think the matt canada thing i think was part of why like a lot of us were, were skeptical of the of the Joe Brady thing going into 2019. Cause you're like, okay, I've heard this before. LSU is going to open up the offense. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll believe it when I see it. And 2019, we definitely saw it. So I'm, I'm curious to why the Matt Canada thing never worked out in LSU. And like you said, if Ed Orgeron is, is saying that they never talked like, well, that's probably a pretty good indication of why it didn't work out at all there. I just don't think he's going to be honest about like why they just like why he was not comfortable with this scheme and everything else. Like I want the Matt Canada uh, retaliation book. Whoever you got to do triumph books like it's time to get in there. I want Matt Canada side of the story. I, this is juicy. I want to know what happened here. This is fascinating to me. This is like a rap battle. He's got to he's got to yeah. clap back with, with his with his diss track. I think so. Um, yeah, we mentioned... I'd be interested oh, yeah. to see Matt Canada's uh, interested to hear Matt Canada's side. Yeah. Um, Nick Saban tested positive for COVID-19 as we talked at the the top of the show. Um, there's still miscommunication right now as to how much he's going to be able to communicate with the Crimson Tide on Saturday. They play at 3.30 in the prime CBS spot against the Oh, Denver no, this is, uh, this is 8 o'clock CBS. Uh, oh, is it 8? I thought it was oh, 3.30. Yeah. Okay, it is 8. Okay. Um, I... I guess this game's going to happen, but something that I immediately thought of is, do you know what uh, Butch Jones' current title with the Alabama Crimson Tide is? Yeah. Uh, What's that? I'm going to pull it up for you. He got a promotion uh, back when Mike Loxley left for Maryland. People forget this little nugget. He was set to become the associate head coach at Maryland with Loxley. The, when he first got there as the assistant after that one year of his offensive analyst role at Alabama. Well, he is currently the special assistant to the head coach. Now, he was analysts are not like official coaches and things like that. He's an official coach now. He should have to coach this game, right? This should be Butch Jones. I why, am going, why would he t- why would he trump any sort of position? Because coach he's literally or... the assistant. It's like when Dabo was the assistant um, under who did he replace? I'm already forgetting. Who was Dabo replacing? Uh, Terry Bowden. Bowden. Yeah. So he was the assistant coach. He was the AHC. That's basically what Butch Jones's title is at Bama, and they paid him a lot of money to keep him from going to Maryland with Loxley. You're not going to promote Starkeesian for this. You're not going to promote um, their D coordinator for this. Like he's super young. There's no one else. Yeah, it's time. Butch Jones back in the SEC. If I do not see Butch Jones losing his mind on the sidelines in a Georgia Alabama game on Saturday, leading the Crimson Tide out of the tunnel, I'm going to be upset. That is what I want. This is it's time, Butch Jones. Let's go. 
I think you're going to be disappointed, sir. I mm. think uh, he's got, in terms of head coaching experience on that Alabama roster, I guess he's got the most years. I don't know. Sarkeesian's probably right there, but uh, obviously the most years coached in the SEC. But um, Sarkeesian has been the head coach at a major major college football program. I mean, at two major college football programs. So he's the current OC. I think if, if anyone is the head coach on Saturday, he seems like the the likely choice, in my opinion. Mm. he's already calling the plays i feel like it seems like an easy transition well they also have charlie strong and mike stoops's options it seems like well yeah i mean alabama is just like the the coach rehab at this point you yeah just, just go to alabama and then you're you're bound to get a a coordinator on the job. payroll stoops, strong and jones are all on the payroll it seems like sarkeesian's gonna lead them i mean sarkeesian i think was actually now at this point people are underrating how good of a college head coach he was um he really turned that washington program around and he was good at usc before everything fell apart um i don't know i just i want butch jones that is what i want i think that's some of your uh orange orange and white checkerboard glasses uh i'll see in this one (laughs) then what's the point what is this title if he's this is what he was built for for this title assistant to the head coach is literally built for this one job. If Saban gets sick or can't coach, he steps up and takes over. I don't understand yeah, I mean, the point. I feel like his, there's all those titles. You know, he's he's essentially a assistant to the regional manager <laughs> over here. You know what I mean? Like these, no one's calling on Butch Jones to make any big time decisions. I guess that's probably true. Um, Zach Wilson is a, a really great a good piece. title to make him feel good. Yeah um but they paid to keep him from going to maryland what's the point of paying to keep him from going to? i I just whatever um zach wilson my favorite college quarterback this season at byu um there's a great profile on him in the athletic this week by friend of the pod chris vanini um it's fascinating because he is obviously from utah and was committed to boise state and then elected not to go to Boise State, decommitted, and then almost right away committed to BYU when they fired Ty Bet- Detmer, former Heisman winner at BYU, and replaced him with Jeff Grimes from LSU and revitalized that entire offense with Sataki. And that's how they got him because he was just like, mm, I've seen this offense. I- I- I'm good. Like, I-, I know what BYU looks like, and that's a hard pass for me. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And then they change it up and then he just commits right away. And now three years later, he is now like the numbers this year are bonkers. And I don't think people realize just how bonkers his numbers have been. Wilson leads the nation in completion percentage at 81.2%. He's second in yards per attempt at 12.3 yards per throw, third in passing efficiency and ninth in passing yards per game at 310.3 through three games. This is the most stunning stat. Wilson has had as many incompletions as total touchdowns, 11. He has thrown only 11 incompletions this season, and he's thrown 11 touchdown passes. That is bonkers. Give me Zach Wilson for Heisman right now. Print the shirts for the Chase Thomas podcast, uh, the full ride, whatever. I will rock it. It's time to really get the Zach Wilson for Heisman conversation into full gear on the full ride what do you think matt hey i'm with you man i'm uh i'm drinking the zach wilson kool-aid uh he's uh they've been unstoppable this year and he specifically has just been 
just making plays with his legs, making plays with his arm. I don't want to, I don't want to rain on your parade. Um, I just have his stats in front of me. I'm seeing 19 completions on the season. So you know, no, not, it's not that 19 complete. It's incompletions. 19. Yeah, I'm saying he's 82 for 101 on the season. So oh. 19. That's uh, I'm not even impressed by that. No, mm. I'm just joking. It's obviously still having shots a fired at Chris Vanini in his stat checking. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So not to. Not to hate on um on on eight more completions over uh, over the course of four games, but yeah, Zach Wilson has been just ridiculous this year, and um just they just keep getting they just keep inching their way up the polls. I, I it's it's weird now because you have all these Big Ten teams and Pac twelve teams in the polls, so it's like it seems like BYU's kind of maxed out, like they're just not going to put them ahead of Penn State and and things like that, I guess, but uh. Once once those teams start playing and BYU just keeps on winning, I feel like they probably have as good a shot as any team. Like I don't think any team has a, a real shot outside of the Power Five to get in the playoff. They're just not going to do it. But if there's one that does have a shot, I think I think BYU has the best shot. Mm, I like it. Um, last thing before we get into memory lane with Matt Green. Um, Breaking news on this podcast before we started recording. Uh, Lincoln Riley is the Vegas odds-on favorite to become the next Atlanta Falcons head coach. Matt, um, I don't know what to do. I feel like a real-life encapsulation of Matthew McConaughey smoking that cigarette as deeply as humanly impos- as humanly possible. And, uh, I mean, I know how you feel about Lincoln Riley, and it's what we call wrong in the uh, in the business. And I am absolutely here for it. Oh my God. Give me Lincoln Riley with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley in this offense every day of the week. I don't care. And the people who are like, oh, what about the defense? You can sit down. I am so tired of hearing about the Falcons defense over this Dan Quinn tenure and the Mike Smith tenure. I don't care if the Falcons have the number one or number two offensive DVOA for the next five years because they hired Lincoln Riley to carry out the remainder of Matt Ryan's prime. And this offense is just the greatest show on turf for a five year stretch. And they go at worst eight and eight because they just outscore everybody because there's that much firepower. And because Lincoln Riley is such a good offensive mind and the defense still sucks. Guess what? No different than this, these past five years, no different. Dan Quinn tried to fix the defense. If you hire a defensive mind, I will I will lose my mind because I'm so over it. I'm so over teams who still think that they should go with the defensive guy route instead of just maximizing your talent on offense and scoring as many points as humanly possible. That is what I want to see on Sundays. I don't care what it takes to get there. That is all I want. Lincoln Riley, sign me up. Let's ride. Okay, well, I'm going to play some devil's advocate here because... If you don't address the defense in any way, I mean, you're just the Falcons' offense hasn't been the problem in the last five years. It hasn't even been the problem. Uh, it's actually this fallen year. apart. So the uh, Falcons' offense, uh, so with Dan Quinn now being, I think, five games under 500 since 2018, um, the offense has dipped every single year since the Super Bowl year. The offense well, is that, dipping. That might be true, but the offense is still good. I mean, I think no, I it's saw not. It. Like the offense last year was 22nd in, in offensive efficiency. But they had the most points ever scored to the it's first not about three points, games man. for a it's team more that than was that, I'm telling I'm you, just... it's more the offense has fallen apart. People just see the names, the numbers. The offense has dwindled. The offense has dwindled. And the that offense... might be true, but I would say the Falcons' offense isn't the problem. So if you're ju- if you're not going to address the defense, and you're just going to be like, oh, let's bring in a guy to bring make the offense. Yeah, make way the better. offense number one in football. Guess what? Do you know how many teams, when the offense is number one in football, have missed the playoffs? 
Do you know how many? Zero. Seven. This is an offense-only league. You and are the Falcons trying to make the playoffs? Is are they cool with making the playoffs? Yes, that's all I want. No, competence. Want to win Super Bowls? If they're cool winning. This the, is Atlanta Super Bowls. Like lower your expectations. I don't I'm, believe in a Super Bowl. No, just give me fun Mike Mart style offenses for the next five years, and I'm happy. That's all I want. Also, why why is Lincoln Riley a better option than Eric Bieniemy? I feel like he's been leading an NFL offense. Like maybe Patrick Mahomes isn't coming with him, and Tyreek Hill isn't coming yeah. to Atlanta with him. But I mean, he's been leading the best offense in the in the NFL for the last couple of years. He's fine. I'll take that. I, I wouldn't hate either, honestly. If you go with the the best, if you pluck from the best offensive coaching tree in football or the best college coaching uh, offensive coaching tree in football, then I'm fine with it. The fact that they're focusing on two offensive minds is good. Stop with the defensive minds, guys. Like, just stop. It just pay Wade Phillips whatever he wants and then let him coach the defense for a couple of years. That's what I would do. So is this, a, is this a, a universal football philosophy for you? Or is this only pros? Only, is it no, pro this is college? everything. This is how I... Everything? Yeah. Okay. That's my philosophy. I think some defeat, some defensive-minded head coach have uh, coaches have been doing some great things in college football. That's all I'm saying. Alabama doesn't stay Alabama without adapting offensively. They change their offense. They bring in Kiffin. You see what Dabo and that Clemson's defensive line is great, obviously, but um, what keeps them going is the Trevor Lawrence's, the five stars they get there, the Travis Etienne's, the Justin Ross's. Everybody like it. I mean, I would argue that. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and even Georgia. Obviously, they're most people would consider a step below those other three. Like those, those have been the, some of the most consistent defensive teams in the country over the last few years. Like Alabama, I mean, Auburn's over the last top decade. five in defense every year, but they can't fix the offense. Like Auburn isn't anything every year. I feel like Auburn is just like flip a coin. Kevin year Steele's defenses have been elite every year he's been at Auburn. Every year. I my, feel like- my fear, like my team building strategy in, in football in general is just worry about the offense first, get an elite offense, and then start thinking about the defense. If until you figured out the offense and until you have a top 10, top 15 offense in football, do not even think about the defense. Do not worry about what you're doing there. That is my philosophy that because then if you get that point, if you get the offense solved then what separates the contenders from just like the average big 12 team is the defense. Like the reason Georgia is separate is because of their defense. But if they do not have that competent offense first, we see what happens. The James Coley year, like great defense can only go so far in football these days. Um, ultimately, I mean, you that team also went 11 and one with a terrible offensive coordinator, but you weren't you know a contender. I mean? Like there was no chance that you could ever win a title with that offense. Like it, I don't think they were a legitimate contender. No, but it was also like, that was a that offense was worse than any other offense Georgia's had. But my rebuttal to your point would be: Who are the two, honestly, the two greatest coaches of all time in college and in pros that are currently doing it? Is Nick Saban and Bill Belichick? Like they're the mm-hmm. they're the two goats, and they're both defensive minded guys first. So I feel like I wouldn't just I wouldn't just sell out. Uh, just to be as explosive I could be on offense and just worry about the defense later. It's it's you, you always have to have both. You know, you, you got to have a legitimate defense to win a championship. 
I think it's just. I disagree. Even um, if you're playing Alabama, was literally the shootout to Clemson. LSU Alabama. just won a title with a horrible defense. Their defense was horrible across the board last year. They just won a title. They didn't have good numbers. The but Chiefs we know were they not top dudes. ten in defense last year. They just we know won they a had Super Bowl all across the board on their defense, though. And as the season went on, I mean, LSU got significantly better. No, defense. what is LSU's final defensive numbers? I'm gonna look. I'm this saying up. they had a sh- they they played A and M. They I know they blasted A and M at the end of the year, killed Georgia, shut down Oklahoma, like beat Clemson pretty bad. Like they gave up some points against Oklahoma and Clemson, but like. I mean, compared to what Oklahoma was doing against everyone else and Clemson against everyone else for that matter, like LSU definitely got stops on them. Like LSU, the numbers, you're definitely right. Like LSU gave up a lot of points, but I feel like it was kind of early in the season that they were getting scored they on a lot They gave up more. 38 to Vanderbilt last year. But it was like, what was that, like first, second game of the Fourth year? Fourth game. Yeah, early in the season, they were giving up oh a lot of points. God. But the caveats they, uh, you have here. I mean, they also had like eight dudes... G- drafted off that defense that went to the nfl so they had 37 to old miss i mean it just their defense is bad it was objectively bad and yeah i mean it wasn't great and obviously they had like the greatest offense in the history of football and in the history of college football last year and that won them a championship Auburn's i just don't know if that's a, season they did not i don't know if that's defense. a sustainable tactic because you're just not going to have the number one overall pick at quarterback on your team every year, you know, throwing 60 touchdowns. Yeah. Passes. You're not going to win. Gonna probably have, you're probably not going to win the title. You're not going to win the title. If you don't have a, a number one overall pick at quarterback, look how many teams at this point. Uh, yeah, debatable. probably look how many teams have won national championships without having. Oh no, 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 no. You have to look at the last five years because football has changed so much. Even from the Mark Ingram winning the Heisman years, you have to only look at the last couple of years. That's it. Because the football is completely different now than what it was seven years ago. You can only look. There's a reason that Herbert, Lawrence, and um, J- uh, Jalen Hurts, and um, what, who is uh, Tua were the best teams in college football last year. Like, I mean, in 2017, Georgia and Alabama were playing for the national title. Like, Neither right. of those teams had the best offense in college. People football. were talking about Jake Fromm as a first-round quarterback at that point. I mean, but anyone that watched that team, you knew Jake Fromm wasn't the reason that but team was good. Were, that team was good because they had two 1,200-yard rushers on the team, and they had the, maybe the best defense in the conference. But it wasn't about the defense. It was, it, like, if you do not have just the saying, best there's, there's a If you do not have a top-three quarterback in college football, you cannot win a title anymore. You just can't. We'll see, man. I feel like... Uh, Jacob Coker? That wasn't that long ago that Alabama was winning a title with Jacob Coker. You keep going back. I said less than five years. Football is different. That's not that long ago. It was very long ago. That's a totally different college football. And then Jalen Hurts, because obviously Tua came in and saved the day for for Alabama in the national championship. But like Jalen Hurts and and Jake Fromm. I mean, Jalen Hurts. He was a Heisman candidate last year. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, what he did at Alabama was... He was a still game great. manager. He was he threw like fifteen touchdowns and like he zero picks or one pick or something. His uh, last year at Alabama, his last year starting at Alabama. So Jalen Hurts was very good. I mean, Jalen Hurts was super average, honestly. Oh, that, okay. We got to move on. We got to move on. I'm never going to change your mind. He was. On this. He threw like fifteen touchdown passes. Like if that 
that's super average. He's he was honestly doing all kinds of stuff on the ground. He was destroying people through the air and through the ground. He was able to do he whatever was he not wanted. Destroying anybody in the SEC. He was Sam Ellinger before Sam Ellinger. I don't even know. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to interpret that. But I feel like he didn't put up any of the numbers Sam Ellinger put, rushing or passing. Honestly, but he's playing against the SEC. I'm not saying Sam Ellinger is better than him, but Jalen Hurts offensively, Alabama was not anything special in 2017, and neither was Georgia. And those are the two teams that were playing for the national championship three years ago. Those are two teams that were playing for the national championship that didn't have the dynamic top five pick at quarterback. <laughs> Mm. agree to disagree matt green i mean you can you can disagree with like the premise moving forward but that is fact like 2017 alabama and georgia had limited passing games and they were playing for a national championship i don't think that's really true but um we can move on matt green what is your memory lane this week oh i was worried about doing memory lane this week that i would uh that i would spoil one of my picks in the uh in the pick but you know we're just we're just gonna go with it. So um, I'm take you take you back to a year called 2007. You remember this year? I, I do. This is a great year for me. This is uh, probably the best team of the Mark Richt era, I would say. Uh, a team that did the blackout against Auburn and everything. No Sean Marino, Matthew Stafford. Fun team to watch. Obviously didn't make the SEC, didn't win the national title, but uh, it was a fun team to watch. So we had 2007 is probably the craziest college football season we have ever seen and 2020 is probably the only one that's going to be able to trump it but no pun intended but that year you had boston college get up to a uh, number two in the rankings one week you had missouri and kansas number one and number two facing at the end of the year i i don't have yeah south florida was ranked number two at one point i think you had something like eight or nine teams that that were ranked uh number two that season and uh, ultimately, you saw a two-loss national champion and uh, LSU beat Ohio State, the Les Miles and Jim Tressel eras of those two schools. So uh, if, if we take it to the SEC, this is the last time that Tennessee, your, uh, your boys up on Rocky Top, last time they played for an SEC title was 2007. Almost beat LSU, too. I think it was a... Uh, pick six late in that game that uh, LSU was able to beat Tennessee on. But why am I bringing up this year, 2007 to you, Chase? Repeat that last part one more time. I'm saying, why am I bringing up 2007 to you? I am. I don't know. You're very upset. You're very into 15 years ago, college football. So, uh, Hey, I was, man. This is my senior year of high school. This was was good stuff. I was huge into 2007. I know Mark Sanchez was at USC at that point. It was a a much different time. But um, the reason I bring up 2007 is this was the last time for two things for this big matchup we got this weekend. This was the last time that Georgia went to Tuscaloosa. And more importantly for Georgia fans, it was the last time that Georgia beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. 2007 it's been 13 years when would you say i'm just gonna put you on the put you on the spot here trivia question when was the last time alabama beat georgia in tuscaloosa not in athens in tuscaloosa you have a guess sir 
They don't play that often, so I got to think about this. Um, was it a Mike Shula year? It was not a Mike Shula year. Was it a price year? I don't think there were any price years. <laughs> uh, was Zhao under center for the Alabama Crimson? He was Tide? not. Was it Andrew Zhao? Something like that. That's a, that's a throwback right there. I don't know. Who was it? I know. I mean, obviously it wasn't Saban, but I'm trying to think. I guess the 90s. Man, who is it? The head coach? Um, Shoot, I got to. I got to. I gotta find that information. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ready for you to throw me on the spot like that. But nineteen ninety-five. Mm. Jim Donna? Nineteen ninety-four, I'm sorry. Nineteen ninety-four, the last time Alabama beat Georgia in Tuscaloosa. So you're talking one, two, three straight losses. That Georgia, Alabama, I'm sorry, only two straight losses Alabama's had to Georgia. That's kind of ridiculous that they've only played in Tuscaloosa three times in the last 25 years. But that's the last time that uh, that Alabama was able to beat Georgia in Tuscaloosa. Gene Stallings was the head coach at, uh, at Alabama at that time. Was this the, uh, this is probably before Don, and yeah, this is the Ray Golf era of Georgia football. This is uh, mm. uh a dark time in Georgia football lore, but I think uh, 2007, that was the last time Georgia beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They're doing that again this year. Could this be another another win for Georgia in Bryant-Denny Bryant Stadium? We shall find out. But 2007, that was my, uh, that's our, that's our throwback of the week. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, are you ready to get into this week's pick'em? Oh, uh, you know it, man. All right, where are we going first? All right. Unfortunately, we've had um, a little bit of a switch up. The I like as of about an hour ago, uh, Cincinnati and Tulsa was postponed over the weekend. I'm um I'm real disappointed about that because I thought this was gonna be like a low key, big time game in the um. American Athletic Conference, but so we, we're not picking this game, but I did have a trivia question for you for this game. Only one team in college football has played a team ranked 11th or higher in every game this season. Who would that team be? Hmm. Who do you think? That would be the Golden Hurricane. Mm. Played Oklahoma State. Beat UCF, and now they had Cincinnati this week. But um, I think they said that game's going to be postponed to December 5th. Yeah. So I uh, thought that was interesting. So, But we'll move on. We won't pick that one. So the first one we got on the noon slate, we got Miami is a 10.5-point favorite over Pittsburgh at home. Chase, what are your thoughts? Uh, Pitt's in a free fall. Pat Narduzzi. Really in a free fall here. Um I I don't I don't like what's going on here for Pitt. Uh so I I like Miami to bounce back here. I don't think Miami is as bad as it looked against Clemson and Clemson and Alabama just make teams that are actually good look so, <laughs> look just so much worse than they actually are and I think DR King bounces back here. Um give me DR King and the Miami Hurricanes over Kenny Pickett and that uh, rambunctious group 
and Pittsburgh to not only win, but also cover. I feel like I'm not giving up on Pat Narduzzi yet. I'm not giving up on the Panthers yet. So they've had two straight one point losses and those are, those are heartbreaking losses. So we're, we're going to have to see what this pit team is made of this week, but I think, well, I'm not, I'm not writing them off. I'm also not picking them to get a win here either. I think, uh, I think it's the third straight close loss for Pitt. So I think they cover, but I think Miami gets the win. Mm, okay. Next up, where are we going? And then next up, this was a tricky one for me because both of these teams could be one and two right now. South Carolina is one and two. Auburn is two and one. South Carolina is a three and a half point underdog at home. Who are you liking in this one? I've gone back and forth on this, Matt. What do you have? You go first. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it first. I just like you. I was I was going back and forth on this one after the Arkansas game last week. At this point, I really don't even know what to make of Auburn. I mean, shoot, we don't even know what to make of Arkansas, but. I'm just I can't believe in Will Muschamp in South Carolina. Like they put a big number up on Vanderbilt. Like, yeah, that's cool. But I just I don't know. Something's telling me that Auburn Auburn finds a way to win this game by multiple scores. Like a, a 10 point, 14 point win. Like I have a feeling it's gonna be ugly, but I think Auburn's gonna right the ship a little bit and and get a comfortable win. I think so too. I'm writing out this offense and I think I'm writing out Auburn as a contender for the foreseeable future. Um, I think Bo Nix is just bad. And I think Colin Hill is actually a better quarterback than Bo Nix. And I think that will come into play here, but I trust Auburn's defense more than I trust South Carolina's, which I think is very sketchy. So give me Auburn in the points, but I don't feel good about it at all. Auburn's, Auburn's I cooked. feel like, can we talk about your hatred for Bo Nix? Can we can we talk about that? He's just not good. <laughs> I feel like you hate Bo Nix. I, I don't just, know that you actually do. I get annoyed about five-star prospects that, like, Kyle Trask, I think, was like a two-star, and he's the best quarterback in the SEC. And then you look at guys like Katie Costello, who was a five-star, and he's just throwing 93 picks through three weeks at Mississippi State. It's just, I get annoyed about programs and fan bases that just look at high prospects like austin riley he looks so good at triple it's like no austin riley sucks okay dansby sonson um first overall pick he can be the next cheater no he can't because he's not that and he's not that good he's fine he is a utility shortstop um it's just when we have these labels on guys because of their youth it just drives me nuts because then you can no longer look at who they are objectively anymore and i think bo Nix, we have a year and a half almost of evidence that he is just not good and we'll we'll take the take the five star process we'll take the five star label off of bo Nix. and what are your thoughts of him he's inaccurate he's not someone who like he gets bailed out by seth williams all the time he i think moves through like it it's just really hard to figure out some stuff with him which is that the offensive line's not good so the offensive line not being good, him running for his life. But I think he loves to run for his life a little too much. And I think he is just – he he wants to be Johnny Manziel, and he's just not. And <laughs> I don't I don't think he's just got it. I don't think he's going to be accurate. And he, he, you just have to be more accurate than him. You have to be more crisp running an offense than him. And he's just not someone who's going to be cerebral and just overpower teams. 
And don't I, we all just want to be Johnny Manziel, though? I mean, Zach Wilson. Like, <laughs> he, I guess, the best example is like he wants to be Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson is completing eighty-one percent of his passes when he's um, freestyling. Bo Nix yeah, freestyles it seems like all he's, the time he's and doesn't that do like Colt McCoy kind of like type yeah. of player. But Colt McCoy, same with Zach Wilson, was complete like eighty percent of his passes by his right. senior year, like ridiculous completion percentage. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't given up on Bo Nix, but it seems like he's kind of know what he is at this point. Yes. I, mean, I don't want to say that about a guy who's a sophomore, but he seems like he's a solid We're game in double digit starts. Who can who can make some plays with his legs. So I feel like I'm not I'm not gonna write off oh yeah, in this in this win, beating South Carolina isn't really saying anything no. about Auburn. They they have to get this win when you look at the, the, the games remaining on their schedule. But yeah, we'll see. Bo Nix definitely needs a bounce back performance after the last couple weeks. But um, keep it keeping things going. I'm uh I'm about to make an enemy on on this show right now, <laughs> on our twelve o'clock SEC Network game. Don't do this. We got the Vols six point favorite home over Kentucky. Lock it up, Vols cover and win. This game's got trap game written all over it, it Chase. Like I don't want to I don't want to do that to you. I, I, I promise. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make any enemies here, but. If you saw what Kentucky did last week, that Mississippi State offense, granted, it could be more of an uh, indictment on that Mississippi State offense that we really just have no idea what to expect in Mike Leach's team week in and week out. But six interceptions in one game, like holding that air raid offense to two points, I feel like that's very significant. And Kentucky is a team that was unlucky in the first two games. I think I kind of liked them more than a lot of people did after the first two weeks. Um and Tennessee, just this game sandwiched in between Georgia and Alabama. Those are the two biggest games on Tennessee's entire schedule. I bet you they're just coming in, sleepwalking to this noon kickoff against the Wildcats, and they're just thinking they can just turn on, just roll out of bed, and this offensive line's going to, you know, just dominate the opponent. And I'm not sure that's going to happen. I, uh, I think. I'm I'm gonna go with Kentucky to get the upset this week. You're out of your mind. Um, <laughs> zero chance that Kentucky walks into Nealon this weekend and, and gets a win. Uh Garantano bounces back. Um I think they run the ball much better this week than they did the previous week. I think Eric Gray has a good day. Um the defense is gonna be all over um Terry Wilson in this offense. This this Kentucky offense stinks. And uh, you need to score points to beat Tennessee. And uh, that's not going to happen here. So give me the balls to win and cover. Well, and and Tennessee's run defense looked pretty solid last week. Like they gave Georgia, you know, they they stopped. DeAndre Johnson's going to play in this game too, which is nice. That too. And so they stopped Georgia on two big fourth and shorts. Like their run defense was good. And Kentucky has been so one-dimensional on offense this year. So that is definitely going to be their best shot. I at least I at least like that Terry Wilson can make some plays with his legs when he needs to, and he's gonna have to need to. He's gonna he's going to need to make some plays with his legs. I just there's something about this game. I, I'm not. I think it's it's an intangible thing that I'm pointing to. You know, I don't think Kentucky's better than Tennessee necessarily, but this Kentucky team's they've fought hard so far in their in their first few games, and I just think Tennessee might be overlooking them. Well. You can't always be right, and uh, <laughs> that's that's something you have to deal with after Saturday. 
But uh, we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Uh, the 3.30 ABC, we got UCF at Memphis. Memphis mm. is a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. What are your thoughts on this one? <sighs> Both teams really need to win here. Both teams are coming off some rocky starts. Memphis obviously getting delayed because of COVID. UCF getting just... <sighs> I love Dylan Gabriel. I still think he's very good. And I still think Josh Heupel is a very good coach. Um, give I'm not sure about Sutterfield yet. We'll see. Um, or Silverfield, whatever his name is. Ryan Silverfield, who replaced Norvell. Um, give me UCF to not only win, but give me them to cover as well. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm starting a petition to uh, have the AAC replace the Big 12 as one of the Power 5 conferences oh, in college no. football. I was just going down the AAC schedule this week. Like, this is low-key a super solid conference. Well, I like, texted you. Got, you I, I, don't, I think I did text you that, like, the Big 12 has to be kicking themselves because they can just have the two best of the AAC in the Big 12. It would help their conference. Cincinnati and who? I mean, you could do Cincinnati and UCF. Yeah. That would just be so weird to have UCF in the Big 12. But they would fit. But yeah, they play like, we, like Big 12 teams. With UCF Josh Heupel went to Oklahoma. <laughs> if with UCF and Memphis, and you also have Cincinnati, SMU, Tulsa, like Houston, Navy, like it's low key, like a solid conference. It, I think but, it's uh, a better conference than the Big 12 this year. I would agree. Yeah, it really does look like it. So, but both of these teams are averaging over 500 yards per game, and both of them are also averaging allowing over 450 yards per game. So, I'm thinking this one's just going to be a shootout. UCF, I also like in this one, like a 48-44 kind of game, and they'll uh, they'll cover the spread. But uh, moving on to the ACC, this is a game that uh, that I really struggled with. Uh, two teams that have both played against clemson and they both played nc state and so those are like kind of the the measuring sticks we have for them but uh wake forest comes in as a two and a half point underdog at home versus virginia what are your thoughts on this one i can't believe this is only two and a half what is vegas seeing with wake that i'm not are they i don't understand why virginia is just getting no love here uh give me virginia and the points i don't understand virginia's still good they had a bad like they're they're losing to good acc teams that's about it i don't bronco mendenhall is not getting off to this bad of a start i, I don't i don't think so give me the cavaliers here that is true but are you aware that wake forest is actually leading the acc in points per game i was not and that's surprising. so you're a big offense guy you I know am. i thought i'm not a clawfence guy though never been a big dave clawfence kind of person i don't oh, know man i gotta correct myself that's not that's not true they're averaging 40.3 they're fourth in the conference in points i was per gonna game. say anyone ahead of clemson right now would be surprising to me yeah virginia tech actually is ahead of clemson 42.7 mm. versus 42.3 so wake forest has the fourth highest uh scoring offense in the uh in the acc so far but um i think i'm leaning towards wake forest in this one i the uh so I, I said that the, both these teams have played Clemson and NC State. Wake Forest uh, was lost eighty-two to fifty-five to those two teams, and Virginia has been outscored seventy-nine to forty-four against those two teams. So that really tells us absolutely nothing. But, but what I'm going off of is uh, turning the ball over. Wake Forest is 
near the top in the country in turnover differential. Virginia has a negative turnover differential, and that's why – and Wake Forest is also leading the uh, conference in kickoff average. So they got good special teams, and they don't turn the ball over. I'm taking Wake Forest. Mm. You're alone. So moving forward, we got a few disagreements this week, so mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's solid. But uh, going back to the ACC, we got a 330 ESPN2 kickoff, and that is going to be – Arkansas hosting Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is a three-point favorite on the road. What are you thinking about this one? I'm, now, this is an offense I love. I mean, I'm a well-documented Joey Freshwater Ole Miss lover. Um, I would have welcomed him back in Knoxville, unlike most people around here. Um, give me Ole Miss big. Um, I think Arkansas has been a good story. I'm excited to see Barry Odom versus Kiffin. I'm very excited to see how they hold up, but this is not Auburn. This is an offense that knows what they're doing. Um, this offense is legit. Matt Coral is just a monster with uh, Kiffin's scheme, and I think they score way too much for Arkansas to keep up. So give me Ole Miss in the points. I'm going to uh, channel my inner league Corso when I say not so fast. Oh, friend. no. I um, We all know about Ole Miss's offense. Ole Miss's mm. offense has been ridiculous this this year. And Lane Kiffin's clearly pressing all the right buttons, but the defense, man, you're, all you care about is offense. I'm starting to pick up on that trend over here, Chase. Yep. All you, you love the offense. I've been very clear. I don't think I'm defense, hiding this from anyone. You can't overlook that defense, man. I can. Right now, they are they're 14th, which is last in the SEC, and defensive uh, or in points per game allowed, and yards per game allowed, and rushing yards allowed. They're averaging. More than 100 yards more rushing yards allowed than the 13th team in the SEC. Like, they are getting run on so much. Like, I don't know what Arkansas's identity necessarily is to this point in the season. But, like, I saw what Felipe Franks did to Auburn last week. And Auburn's defense isn't nearly as bad as Ole Miss. Like, I just don't see Ole Miss getting any stops. And at home, I feel like I'm... I'm feeling a, like a shootout, and I think Arkansas is going to win. I think Arkansas is going to find a way to win like a 41-38 kind of game. I like these disagreements. I, I'm definitely bouncing back and just submitting. We're, it's to definitely, we're, we're going to have some uh, defi- some decisive totals after this week because yes. we're uh, there's a lot of disagreements so far. But uh, then we move on to uh, SEC Network at 4 o'clock. This is going to be an interesting one to see how they bounce back from their big win. Texas A&M is a six and a half point favorite at Mississippi State. Going to Stark Vegas. What are your thoughts? Mississippi State, like everything's on the table. They're benching everybody. KJ Costello might get benched in this game. Um, I I think Mississippi State has real problems. But the most Mike Leach thing to do after these bad losses back to back weeks would be to just up in Texas A&M's good good vibes and uh, dash those but i think texas a&m um figured some stuff out last week against florida and i think they uh they uh they win here give me texas a&m in the uh yeah give me texas a&m in the points yeah i feel the same way i feel like mississippi state scored two points against kentucky i think like that's that's the biggest thing that's that's fueling my thoughts for this game and so and i think Texas is not good they're not good um, that's true, but I think I think I like Texas A&M. Yeah, like a, 
went in by a solid 10, 17 points or something like that. Um, moving on to Conference USA, Louisiana Tech is a 14-point underdog at home to the herd, to Marshall. What do you think? You love the herd. I am feeling the herd this year. They've allowed seven points per game. I know you love the offense. Marshall's <laughs> allowed seven points per game so far through three games. They've had two games postponed. I think Marshall will get it done. This could be a Conference USA uh, championship preview right here. I like Marshall to win, but give me Louisiana Tech to cover. All right. And then this is probably the one I struggle with the most because I've been feeling Virginia Tech this year, but uh, they're 11.5-point favorite over Boston College. And... That's that a just lot of seems, points. That seems like just too much, too many points. And I think this is where I got confused in my notes. Virginia Tech is first in the point in points per game, and they're last in the ACC and uh, points per game allowed. I feel like Boston College has been in every game they've played so far this year. So I'm I'm gonna take Virginia Tech to win, but I think Boston College keeps it close and covers the spread. Give me Virginia Tech. And give me Virginia Tech to cover. All right. And I'm then not, um, I'm not all the way in on Boston College's offense. I'm just not all the way there. I know. Jerkovich, man. I'm uh I'm 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 buying what he's selling. I'm not now, buying the know. arm Boston motion. Oh, they've, they've been tough though. They've been in like every game they've played, and yes. Virginia Tech, I'm I'm just not sure what to make of them. That offense is legit. That's the thing about Virginia Tech, is I'm sure about their offense, and I don't know if I'm sure about Boston College just yet. Um, All right, and now we got our final game, game of the week, college game day in Tuscaloosa. Alabama comes in. I think this spread's actually down to four now, but where we have it in our pick it's Alabama's a six-point favorite over Georgia. Uh, give me, your give me Alabama to win and cover. Alabama to win and cover. I, um, As you know, I... Are you actually going to do this? Are you really going to do this with Stetson Bennett being the one? Is this the time to do it? Hey. You uh, you bite your tongue over there, sir. This Georgia has had the if best. If you actually defense, do this, Georgia's had the best defense in college football this year. Like, yeah, Alabama's is this Alabama? Great. Have you seen Mac Jones throw a football this year? Have you seen Mac Jones be be hit one time this year? Oh, have you seen God. any pressure on Mac Jones oh, one time God. this year? Oh, I have. Georgia and I think fans, Georgia's, folks. Hey, you don't. There's a uh, there's some people that aren't Georgia fans out there that are uh, that are picking Georgia. So yeah, we call those crazy people. I'll you bite your tongue, sir. I'll, Georgia's got the best. I mean, it's basically got the best defense in college football just across the board. If you go look at the SEC stats, they're first in basically every major category. Great, except Bama's putting forty five on y'all on Saturday. I just I don't. Do you think this Alabama offense is as good as LSU's offense was last year? They're close. Yeah. I just, I don't know how you can say they're close. That was the Najee greatest. Najee Harris and that. 60 touchdowns. I'm Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns. I'm saying Mac they're Jones close. Coming in, I am saying they're close. They are close. They are a very good offense, but I feel like this this looks more like the 2018 Bama offense to me, which was also an amazing offense. And this Georgia defense is by far the best of the Kirby Smart era. Like they. Yeah. They've and had guess what? some. They're wasting defenses. it on Stetson Bennett in this offense. You're not scoring enough. It's not going to happen. They've, they've had some good defenses for sure for Georgia, but none of them actually got after the quarterback and created these havoc plays. Well, then like you put in Bryce Georgia Young to switch things for up. Years. What's that? Then you put in Bryce Young to switch things up. 
Hey, they might have to do that when George is getting after Mac I Jones so. in the first half. It's but uh, tradition. I think George does a great job of disguising their pressures, disguising their coverages and everything like that. And I think they're going to get pressure on Mac Jones. And that's something you just haven't seen Alabama have to deal with this year. And so I think the main the the main uh, I feel like there's two big matchups here. It's obviously going to be the offensive line versus the defensive line. If Georgia can at least contain Najee Harris and Alabama's run game by not selling out against the run, which they've been able to do this year and keep enough guys in coverage. Like Georgia's got some, some great corners. I don't know if they're on Alabama's receivers level, but they also have maybe the best safety in college football. This one of the best linebacker cores in college football, clearly one of the best defensive lines in college football. And if Georgia is able to sustain some drives, like they were unable to do last year against LSU with, how awful George's offense was last year. They already looked better than George's offense was a year ago. If they're able to sustain some drives, and I think they can, because Alabama, they're not going to do what Ole Miss did, but Alabama's defense has just been getting gashed this year. And I think if Georgia can hold Alabama to a 24, 27 type of points, I think I think Georgia can win this game. And so if, if I got to go on the record, I'm taking Georgia 27-24. Good God. Well, Matt, we'll have to eat these words on the Sunday show, but uh, we are at a time crunch today, unfortunately. So we're going to have to leave it there. Um, Matt, thank you as always, sir. Uh, We can find you on Twitter again at Matt underscore W underscore green. Me at Chase under double underscore Thomas. Uh, If you like today's episode, uh, make sure to leave a five star rating and a review and uh, all that good stuff. So we will be back on Sunday with a normal full link show but uh again sorry for the slight delay here but uh it uh, is just um other things to get to real quick so matt thank you sir and uh we'll be back next week on sunday yes sir i'll uh, be waiting your apology after this georgia alabama game nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond. Pros have trusted it for over 50 years. But uh, why hire a pro when you can J.B. Weld it? J.B. Weld makes it easy to do yourself. We're proud to have J.B. Weld Adhesives as a sponsor. I personally know the owner. Hung out with these guys down at the uh, car show there. And um, I have all their products. What can I say? DIY projects, good auto stuff, crafts, plumbing, marine, all the applications. I use a product to fix Sonny's tennis shoe, save myself some money. Stromer used it to fix his tray on his wet saw because he's doing some tile work. Different product, but all made by JB Weld. JB Weld just acquired Herculiner, the original DIY truck bed liner. So if you're looking for the world's strongest truck bed liner, Herculiner, has you covered. It's J.B. Weld, right, Dawson? J.B. Weld is available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advance Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. And remember, J.B. Weld Epoxy Products are proudly made in the USA. J.B. Weld, world's strongest bond.